Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have gifts of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. Well, we have been considering the marks of a healthy church now for about eight weeks. And a couple weeks ago, we transitioned into a little bit of a mini-series on unity of the church that, and saw that one of the marks, one of the huge marks of a healthy church is the unity of the church. Um, this was all built upon the foundation of Jesus' message, um, his prayer for the, 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 his believers and then those who would believe on him because of their testimony and that, he, that they all may be one and that we would reflect his oneness to the world, so that the world would know that he the, and the Father and the Spirit were one, and that the world would know that based upon how they see us acting, because we're supposed to be conformed to the image of Christ. So that um, as Paul begins to talk about this topic in Ephesians chapter 4, as we saw, he says, and as we've been memorizing, right? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, to do what? To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. And we talk about the calling, and that is to be conformed to the image of Christ. And so that just as we individually are called to be conformed to the image of Christ, so are, so are we as an assembly. And so that that oneness, that unity, then is in multiple different ways. And we saw it's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, one body, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, right? And then we also saw in that synergy of the church that God then equipped us as an assembly, as a body, to be able to accomplish the task. He wants us to be unified, and so he, he does the work, he begins to work in us, and he begins to work in us and continues to work in us as an assembly as well. So he endows the church, which we talked about a little bit more last week, and we'll again pick it up in a second. Okay, he endows the church, he gives a gift to each one of us, but he gives specific gifts to some, in order for them to equip the church. And those are the leaders. So those were the, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, right? And they were to do that to outfit or equip the, the assembly, okay? To equip the church into ministering, into mature doctrine, into mutual edification. 
so that in this mutual edification that the members then could edify themselves. The members edify the body so that we together as a body ought to be able to edify one another. Okay, So an involvement of the whole body, result of the growth of the body. Well, that leads us then into what we looked at last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Okay, And we saw in the very beginning of it with the distribution of the gifts that the gifts were given by God. Okay, so we saw the manifestation of the Spirit, but we saw that, that in those divisions, in the distributions of the gifts, it was, the, it was God, the Lord, and the Spirit. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were all involved in the distribution of the gifts. So they were given by God. They were given to each one, each individual. So both verse 7 and both 11 are told, and then we saw that in Ephesians chapter 4, that each individual was given a gift. Okay, and so God's not a liar, Right? So if you know him as your savior, then he has equipped you. He has gifted you. He has endowed you with some gift. And the purpose of that gift is given for the good of the body. And so God has given you a gift. So God has given you a gift for the good of the body. Okay. And so that's kind of where we camped last week. And we talked last week. And God used an illustration of the body through Paul for us to understand that the eye can't say to the ear and so on and so forth, right? That we're all then necessary as well. So that the intrinsic nature of the body is that the body is the body of Christ and we are a spiritual body, not a physical body. Though we may look at people physically, the reality is that we are, when we come together, a spiritual entity, okay? And so in my brain, I don't know if I brought it up last week or not, but I, again, when I think of this process, I think of the fact that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's the same concept here. You know, again, I use the illustration, you can't see me and cut off my arms, cut off my legs and all that kind of stuff, right? But the reality is we are a spiritual body, okay? And so too many times we focus on the physical rather than understanding. So that's why we have in the springtime and in the fall, we have the week of prayer and fasting. It's not because that's special for us. and It's a reminder to us that we're not wrestling according to the flesh, that this is a spiritual war that we're in. So even today, there's a spiritual war going on right now in this room. It's not, you know, oh, no, this is a chapel, so therefore demons can't come in. Get rid of that, okay? There's a war that goes on, and it's a spiritual battle that's going on. Even right now, you're a spiritual individual. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're spiritual anyway, but now you have the Holy Spirit living inside you, okay? And so you change squads. You change teams. There's only two. There's not that third one in between. You're either on Satan's side or you're on God's side. It's just it doesn't change, okay? There's no in-between sides. Well, I'm not really on either side. You are. If you're not on God's side, you're on Satan's side, okay? You're working against God. That's how it plays out. And so when you got saved, you were taken out of the kingdom of darkness and you were transported into the kingdom of the son of his love. How cool is that, okay? You're on a different team. You don't wear the same colors anymore or you ought not wear the same colors anymore, right? And so that's in the spiritual realm, okay? And so I just want to make sure that we understand that part of it. We are a spiritual entity, okay? Get rid of the physical concept, okay? Spiritual entity, okay? But the configuration of the body then, again, is by the will of God. Each person has a role, and each person is important. So again, you were gifted. You were gifted for the good of the body. If you're not using the gift in the assembly... If you're not fulfilling the role in the assembly, which God has placed you here, then there's a hole, there's a void in our assembly, okay? There's a hole, there's a void in the greater assembly of God, if you would. Some people serve in a, in a greater capacity, okay? Over, uh, we call them parachurch organizations, but really it's still part of the, the church. Does that make sense? They're serving the church, and the church is not us. The church is the, bigger than us, okay? We're just one local manifestation of that church. Does that make sense? Okay. So each person has a role. Each person is important. And we have a mutual need and a mutual concern. So therefore, if someone is hurting, all of us ought to be what? Hurting. Okay. Again, that's hard when you're thinking about it from the flesh. When you're camping out on the flesh side, then then you're bothering me. No, you're bothering us. We are bothered. And I don't mean bothered like in a negative bothering, but hurting. But when one rejoices, 
all ought to be rejoicing, okay? So that's what I love about testimony time. We're going to talk about that real quick in a moment, okay? Well, probably not quick in a moment. It'll actually be a few moments from now. But anyways, but yeah, exactly right. And so you've been with me long enough. There you go. So, but the reality is that's what testimony time is all about, okay? Now, again, I don't mean to be gloating and, 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 and prideful. I, really, I honestly don't mean that at all. But we've gone to other churches and they don't have testimony times. You know, testimony time is about the body of Christ being the body of Christ. Okay, that's when you get to hear people sharing sorrowful and being sorry with them. Okay, and then being happy with them. Okay, you get both of those kind of things. You kind of get down with the person when they're getting down. You kind of get up with the person when they're getting up. Make sense? And that's what this is all about. The body, the body, the body, the body. We are a body. Now, what brings it all together, though, for me in this unity thing is this this what coagulates what empowers what strengthens what emboldens that, that this whole thing how does this play out how do we become countercultural cuz the american culture is all about who me look out for numero uno cuz cuz no one else is going to right but we take the 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 world's philosophies when you get saved and they get flipped totally upside down okay that concern about yourself is the least part of it, okay? How does it play out? How does it work that way? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, okay? The excellency of the church. That which causes the church to excel above all other organisms, or if you would, even organizations. I hate the term organization because you're not an organization. You're an organism. It's a body, not a business, okay? All right? But what is it that causes or should cause the church to excel, beyond the expectations and the understandings of the rest of the world. Well, Paul says then, as we picked it up, as Chuck read it, and we're going to go into chapter 14 today as well, but I'll read all that in just a moment. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Okay? So you're members and you've got what? Gifts, right? Because you've all been endowed by who? By God. Why? For the good at all, okay, for the profit of everybody, okay? But earnestly desire the best or better gifts, you can see the literal down here, and yet I will show you a more excellent way. So, but have zeal for the better gifts, and yet even still concerning an excellent way. Wait, have a zeal for the what? Better gifts. Which means that there's what? There's lesser gifts. There's a hierarchy of gifts. What's the purpose of the what? Of the gifts. Again? For the service of everyone, right? For the profit of everybody. For, for the good of the body. Is it for me? No. Is it to draw attention to me? No. Is it to draw attention to who? To Christ. It's to serve the body, okay? So Paul says, I want you to have zeal for the better gifts. And now I'm going to what? Concerning an excellent way, the word is hyperbole. Hyperbole. To throw over okay now i'm gonna give you wow the bestest of all the ways marcia loves when i talk like that anyways it's the betterest thing i've ever had anyways but this is not even the betterest this is the bestest of all okay and it's better than the little caesar's extra most bestest anyways and so i'm gonna show you concerning an excellent way as opposed to what the way the world usually does it you know how you're thinking, is what he's basically saying. And he's been dealing with the Corinthians. Now, we're not going through a study on the book of Corinthians, okay? But the reality is he's going through the, with the Corinthians. He's dealing with sin problems throughout them, oh, the whole long way. And now he's dealing with the fact that they're selfish in, the, in, their, in their expression of their gifts. It's really what's happening, okay? We're not spending time on this, but that's really the context of what's happening here, okay? They were abusing gifts, trying to draw attention to themselves, Okay? And so now he says, so I'm going to now show you an excellent way. What's the excellent way? Agapao. Agape is the noun. Agapao is the verb. You know it as agape, right? It's selfless, committed, selfless love. There are more than three. Okay, there's storge, which is a familial love, okay? But get rid of that second. Biblically speaking, there are three primary loves. There is eros, okay? And these, these go with, remember last week I talked about how we're body, soul, and spirit, that plants are body, 
but they don't have a soul. They don't have a spirit. Animals are body and soul, but they don't have a spirit. But we are body, soul, and spirit. Okay? So eros, eros is love. Eros is though, I love you for what you do for me. It's a selfish love. It's where we get our word eroticism or erotica from. Okay? And so we think things are erotic because they stimulate who? Me. Okay? I love pepperoni pizza. Some of you are going, yes, amen. No, you eros pepperoni pizza. I prom- I love donuts. True or not? True or false? True, but still what? False. Because I overdosed on a donut a few years ago. Yes, an overdose. It's like, your pastor overdosed. Because it had milk. And, okay? and I couldn't say no. You know, I've been so long. Ago, I just take a little piece of it. Little 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 Anyways, I spent one whole night with an asthmatic, like, shock reaction kind of thing. And all I could think of all night was the wages of sin is death, the wages of sin is death, the wages of sin is death, the wages of sin is death. And I couldn't even come to church on the next Wednesday night. It was a Tuesday night. I couldn't come to church on Wednesday night because I was still dealing with it. Okay? So what's the deal? I don't love donuts anymore. I I loved donuts erotically before because of the pleasure that I received from it. But you know what? It spurned me. That donut, it spurned me, and it was bad to me. It was rude to me. And so I decided I don't like donuts anymore. I don't, I don't love them anymore. Now, except for when Marsha makes it with A2 or whatever, then I can eat a donut that way. But you get what I'm saying. That's erotic, fleshly love. I love it for what it does for me. But when it doesn't please me anymore, what? It's gone. Phileo, Philadelphia. Phileo love is we call brotherly love, but it's it's sort of a committed love. It's, it's above the fleshly love. I would call this a soulful love. The Eros was a fleshly love. And so it's like the back of the 57 Chevy. Okay? Get, you get where I'm going on that one? Okay? And so phileo is a soulful love. Okay? It's when you, you love somebody a little bit more, but now you start to what? You, like, you start to like them. You're not just liking them because of what they look like. You start to like them a little bit more. Okay? And so Brian doesn't have a shirt. And I happen to have a T-shirt on and a shirt. So I said to Brian, what? Brother, I love you. You need a shirt. Here, you can have this one. It's because i got a T-shirt on. Now, the difference between the phileo and the agapao is I only have one shirt on, right? i only got a T-shirt on. He needs a shirt. I say what? Brother, I love you. Hope you find a shirt. I'll pray for you. Okay? Porridge. i got enough porridge for me and Brian, so I'm willing to what? Share my porridge with him because I love him phileoly. But I only got a little porridge. And we're down to the end. Brother, I love you, but I'm praying for you. Because <laughs> I don't have agapao. Do you get it? That's the difference between phileo and agapao. Agapao is a committed, selfless love. Okay? That's the love that God has. Do you get it? That's when we're told about God loving us. It's agapao love. When we're called upon to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and all of our mind, and all of our strength, it's agapao love. We're not called upon God to have eros kind of love for him. But we do. We love God when things are going good. We love God when things are happening right for us. But when things don't happen right, we want to blame God. We want to get mad at God. We want to kick and scream at God. Because we're erotic in our love. We might even make it the phileo kind of love. Now, I promise, this has been a struggle for me for many years. And I shared testimony time that we've been married now 39 years, known each other 40 years, and I love my wife, okay? But one of the biggest struggles I have, and I hope God never really tests me on this one, is I struggle. Do I agapao my wife or do I phileo my wife? Am I only at a phileo plus? Years ago, I'd have been a phileo minus. Probably it was actually more of an erotic. When we first got married, I loved her erotically. That's true. Let's be honest, Okay. I, I loved her for why she, how she looked and how she made me feel. But then all of a sudden, those tingle days go by, right? And you have to make a decision. Okay? And that's where commitments begins to come in. And then all of a sudden, phileo comes in. But now I have to ask myself, what am I willing to do for her? Jesus said that people would know that we were his disciples if we had what? Love for one another. And he said, this is love that you would be willing to what? Lay down your life. For one another. Now, we talk about that when it comes to a hero, and I'm not diminishing heroes in, in wartime situations. Okay? They have a love for their, for, for their brethren, okay? But sometimes I think that it's not necessarily compelled upon by love, it's compelled upon by duty. And, and it's, as men, we're designed that way. God makes us that way, okay? 
So it's not, a, it's not a risky situation. It's one you have time to think about, like Jesus. He was in the garden, and he sweat as it was what? Drops of blood. He had a decision to make. It was a willful decision. It wasn't just happened in a moment like it was just reactionary, and he just did it. And I'm, again, I'm not diminishing that, those expressions, okay? But you get what I'm saying. When you have time to think about it, time to analyze it, time to figure out a way to get out of it, right? Then it really push comes to shove, whether it's phileo or agapao. Jesus said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And so when he died on the cross, he revealed how much he what? Not phileoed me, how much he agapaoed me, okay? Agapao. That is then what brings us to perfection in the assembly. When we have the mind of Christ, we will exhibit the love of Christ for one another and for those around us. When we get to that part, when perfection comes within the assembly, when we start to portray and emulate the love of Christ for one another, it blows the world apart. Go back to David's messages when, when from Acts 2 and Acts 4, when people were selling off their property and bringing all the proceeds in in order to meet the needs of the poor. We're starting to get the agapao love, aren't we? When's the last, don't tell me, don't tell me. If you did it, don't tell me. Even if you didn't do it, don't tell me, okay? When's the last time you sold off a parcel of property because somebody in the church had a need? When's the last time you sold off a car? Because you had a couple. Oh, that's still full of, isn't it? Mm. You get where I'm going on this one? Okay. When we understand and we get agapao love, unity isn't going to be hard to accomplish. It'll be a natural response. We will really care. Really care. We will really hurt when someone hurts. We'll really rejoice when somebody rejoices. We will be knitting together, knitting one another together with the joints and the marrows. I think it's broke, Steve. I think we need to get the, uh, the AC guy up. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I'm going to preach cold today, not hot. Okay, anyway. So... <laughs> so <laughs> Exaltation of love. Okay, we're going to see this love being portrayed out now. I think love, agapao love, is the excellency of the church. That's what we're talking about. That's what this is all, in my brain, this is in my, my little four-part part of it, this is the culmination. Okay, this is where we come to in this, with the love of Christ. First of all, we see the love of Christ is essential. So as uh, Chuck already read, I'm not going to spend time on this because, again, we don't have time to spend... I, Normally, when I go through this section, it's five to six weeks that we go through this, okay? And we're doing all this in two weeks. So clearly, we're not going through this in detail, okay? One thing I want to tell you right here is right off the bat, verse 1 to 3. Look what it says, though I, though I, though I. Do you see that? Those are um, uh, subjunctive um, conditionals. And it, it doesn't say though I. In the Greek, it says, literally it says, even if I could. Okay, even if I could. Ch- totally changes the meaning, doesn't it? Because he's not saying he does. He's throwing out a hyperbole, okay? He's throwing out the, the, this, this thing that's, that's out there. Even if I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels. In other words, if I, if, I, if I knew every language and I could speak in any other manner, he's not saying he speaks with the tongues of angels. You get what he's saying, okay? So I don't have time to go there. He doesn't say that. If I could do all that, but I don't have love... I'm a clanging symbol. It's nothing. It's meaningless. And though I, even if I could, even if I did have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and knowledge, and he knew a lot, didn't he? But he says, and have all faith so I can remove mountains. When was the last time you read that Paul moved a mountain? He didn't do it, okay? But he says, even if I could do it, but I didn't have love, it would all be meaningless, purposeless. And though, even if I could bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned. Now, a lot of things happened to him, but I don't remember him being burned. I think he chose some things here purposely. In 2 Corinthians, he talk, goes through a whole list of things that happened to him. All the afflictions that he went through. Burning was not one of them. If I did all that, and I didn't have love, 
If I don't have love, it's what? It's meaningless. Jesus said in Matthew 7, there's a lot of verses again on your sermon. No cheat, I'm not going to go over, okay? And you can go over this. But Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talks. He says, look, there are going to be some who come to me in that day, and they're going to say, Lord, Lord, did I not cast out demons in your name? Did I not do all these wonderful works in your name? And he says, he's going to say, depart from me, you son of lawlessness. I didn't know you. Salvation is not you claiming to be a Christian. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, look, I'm worried about you because someone may come in with another Jesus, another gospel, and another spirit, and you may very well accept them, which means that somebody could be coming in and, and we're told that the prophets in the end times are going to be able to do marvel and wonderful um, things that if it was possible, they would be able to deceive even the very elect, which means they're not going to be able to deceive the very elect. But if it was possible, so the, so the things that they're able to do are going to be amazing. So that doesn't mean that everybody who's doing a miraculous uh, um, act is what? is a believer. Do you get it? So you could do all these things, wonderful things, but you're not a believer. Or you could be doing all these wonderful things, but you're doing it for yourself. And in the end, what do you got? Nothing. In Matthew chapter 5, he says, don't do your alms for people to see, because you'll have your reward on earth but rather lay up treasures in heaven where the moth and rust doesn't corrupt. Do you get it? Love is essential. If you don't selflessly love, committed love, everyone else, specifically God, and if you're not serving him out of love, then everything you're doing is meaningless. Look, I struggle with, with speaking. I'm up front. I get it focused point here and when we put it out on spotify and we put it out in pandora and we put it out i get it i don't want a national ministry for years i didn't want a national ministry but also like it's it's things are being it just happened you know what i'm saying it just kind of laid it out and so god challenged me with the youtube thing with prayers and when all that happened and i learned how to do syndicated feeds and all that it just happened and i've had people contact me from different parts of the country it's just nuts to me Okay? I don't want it. Because I don't want me speaking to be about me speaking and drawing attention to myself, even though I know you have a really pretty shirt on today. Um, anyways, um, it's fish, it's trout. Anyways, on the tie. Anyways, you get what I'm saying. I don't want it to be focused on Bob. And yet I, I'm stinking selfish and self-centered. And so just inside me, there's no temptation overtaking you, but such as common to man. So I know you're this way too. And so I can be honest and share this, okay? Because you may not stand up and share this, but I'll share it. It'll be shared in the wealth. You can share with me on this one. Inside, you like getting a little bit of the limelight. Okay? I get it. And I got to fight against it all the time. Don't come up to me at the end, please. Don't come up and tell me it was an awful message either. But don't come up, <laughs> I'm just coming to bump, keep you low. I, I, it's every once in a while it's nice to know that the Lord's using me. Does that make sense? That's really cool. But that's why I don't stand at the back. I don't want to shake hands. I don't want people to be telling me, it was a great message. It was a great message. I, I don't need my ego helped. <laughs> Get it? it? It does well on its own. It does well on its own. Okay, so it's essential. Love has to be there. Okay? It's selfless. And he goes through the whole list. Normally we hear this when? Weddings. This is the wedding passage. This isn't a wedding passage. Now I'm okay with it being read at a wedding. Okay? This is the church. This is the church. This is how we're supposed to be acting in the church toward one another. Love isn't selfish. It's not egotistical. It's not focusing on itself. It's other focused. How do I sum this up? Philippians chapter 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the very form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him. The form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. He became a servant. You want to fulfill this? 
Don't worry about the list of what it is and what it isn't. Put on the mind of Christ. When you start putting on the mind of Christ, you'll start putting on the love of Christ. When you start putting on the love of Christ, guess what? This is going to happen naturally. You're not going to parade yourself. You're not going to rejoice in iniquity, but rather you're going to rejoice in truth. You're going to bear all things, hope all things. You're going to endure all things, just like God does for you. Like we talked about in Sunday school, Nacham. I wonder how many times God have with Bob. But he loves me, and he's faithful to me. He never leaves me. He's true to me. He doesn't think evil about me. Do you get it? We're a spiritual body, not a physical body. We have to think with the love of Christ, not the eros of man. So, it's selfless, not egotistical. It's steadfast. I want to pick it up in verse 7 and bring it in. It's steadfast. It's, it's there. Do you see in verse 7? It says, it bears all things, endures all things. Um, both of those words are talking about being up underneath something, okay? Um, I believe the endure word was the hupomeno, okay? Remaining under, okay? Abiding under, okay? But note the two that are in the middle of it, okay? So it, it bears all things, it endures all things, but what are the, what's, what's holding that together? It believes in hopes. Believes is pistis, hope is elpis. Hope is built upon the, on the belief. You've got to believe. You've got to trust. You have to trust. But when you, when you break the trust, that's the hard part. Does that make sense? And it's, it's hard to earn trust back. I mean, it takes years to earn trust, right? How quick does it take to break it? Just that. Now, that's hard. But what's harder is being on the other side. And have to extend it back. And not using a conditional on somebody. And not being manipulative in it. Well, I'll trust you, but I'll trust you if. I'll believe it if. It bears. It endures. It endures. It doesn't fail. It doesn't fall off. Ekpipto. It doesn't fall away. It doesn't fall out from. Prophecies? <laughs> they're going to be made void. Tongues? They're going to stop. Knowledge? It's going to be made void. Same word for will fill and will vanish away. Exact same word in Greek. I don't know why they put it in different words in English. Okay? They're going to be made void. Empty. Meaningless. Prophecy? That's exciting, isn't it? Think, in our flesh, what do we want to focus on? The gifts. Because the gifts do what? Draw attention to self? No, you missed up again. It's not supposed to draw attention to yourself, but that's why we think. I want to have all these gifts so that people look at me. I want to be able to play the guitar really well. I want to be able to sing really well. I want to be able to, because people will look at who? Me. There's a part where we talked about in the past of even having specials and stuff being sung in the back. But then the question is, so am I going to preach from the back? <laughs> and I'm good with that. But it kind of gets boring. So, so we're not drawing attention to who? self, but attention to Christ, okay? That's the whole goal here, okay? But all these things, all these gifts, they're going to what? They're going to be gone. They're meaningless. Love doesn't fail. Love doesn't fail. So where are you at on that one? Where, where are you in your churchdom? Are you more focused on the gifts individuals have? Or what gifts you do or don't have? Or are you more concerned about exhibiting the love of Christ? Can you honestly say that you agapot everybody in this assembly? That's kind of rough. Because some people make it really hard. Not me. I mean, you know, everybody but me. That's how we think, right? But Agapot was rough. That's why I said, I mean, I, even with my wife, can I really say I'm Agapot? Am I really there? 
Can I, am I at a phileo plus, plus, plus maybe? You know, am I an agapao minus, minus, minus? I don't know about you, but I think about that a lot. I really do. Guys, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to love him. I really do. I want to agapao God. But man, I am so stinking selfish. And every time I start to think I might be getting close, (laughs) he lets me realize how far away I am. And yet he still loves me. Isn't that kind of cool? Even if I don't agapao him, he agapaos me. He's always there with me. So, it's steadfast. It is superior. Verse 13, now abide, remain, meno. So the hupo meno, remain under. So this is the, the root word of that, remains. Now remain faith, hope, and love. These three. So these things are going to abide. Okay, faith, hope, love. Okay, they're all going to be there. Boom. You know, everything else goes away. They're all just exterior. Faith, hope, and love, it's interior stuff. But if you put faith, hope, and love together, the alpis and the pistis, along with the agapao, there's only one. That's how important agapao love is. It's more important than your faith. Ooh, what? Did he just say that? I didn't say that. God said that. Because if you love God, what's going to happen? You can believe God. Do you get it? When, when God wrote to the seven churches in the Revelation, the first church he talked to was who? The church of Ephesus. Steve, he told them they were a great church. Great epithet, right? I know your works. I know how you've, 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 you've tested those who said they're prophets. You found them to be not. But he didn't stop there, did he? What did he say? What, how did he conclude the message to the church of Ephesus? I have... Well, but I have one thing. That's right. One thing against you. How many things? One. One. One thing. You've left your first love, agapao. And if you don't come and repent and return from whence you have fallen, I'm going to come and remove your candlestick. Ichabod, no glory. Ichabod, in the Old Testament, we call him Ichabod, because there's no glory, the glory is gone. That's the picture. He's taken the glory away. And sadly, I've seen it too many times in churches. I don't want it to be here. Do you even think about it? Do you even care about the glory of God being taken away from the local assembly? He did it to his own children, Israel. He removed the glory from the temple. Don't say he won't. He loves you too much not to. He'll remove the glory. Now abide these three. Faith important hope it's extremely important but not compared to the third love love is the best so how does it then get portrayed what's the expression of love as we come into then um first corinthians chapter 14 I mean, i need to move very fast right so verse one we see pursue love desire spiritual gifts it's the word zeal have zeal for but especially that you may what prophesy okay so the priority of the gifts okay we're gonna we're gonna see that he's calling on him to prophesy and so going back to verse 28 i don't have time for this but you can see how prophecy was way above tongues he's going to use prophecy and tongues as a contrast here to show how love is much better other other focused love is much better than self-focused love okay and he's going to use prophecy and tongues to do this, okay? So real quick, and you can, we can talk about this later, but is revealed in the priority of gifts. Secondly, it's revealed in the purpose of the gifts. And you say, well, there's nothing there. There is nothing there. Verses 2 to 25, okay? So look at your Bibles. Okay, in verses 2 to 25, okay? I'm not going to read it all, but I'll, I'll scan because of time. It says, beginning of verse 2, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. 
He who speaks in a tongue edifies who? Himself. Okay? But he who prophesies edifies who? The church. So, the purpose of prophecy is to glorify God and edifies others. The purpose of tongues is to glorify God and edify self. Do you get it? And so, because of that, he says prophecy is what? It's better than tongues. Do you get it? Because the whole idea of it is that God has given you a gift to do what? Serve others. Not just glorify God, but to serve others. It's for the profit of everyone, okay? And so if the gift you're using isn't for the profit of everyone in the assembly, then it's only for you. Now, he's not saying that tongues in and of itself are wrong. He's just saying it's not edificational to others. And so it's not, of the, it's not the one you should be looking for. Remember he said, have zeal for the better gifts. The better gift is what? Prophecy, not tongues. That was the bottom of the list. Why? Because it's selfish. Now, hear what I'm saying, okay? So, keep going, okay? Um, Verse 5, I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive what? Edification. So as you come through here, okay, the, over and over and over again, what you're going to read is, okay, and you have those verses on your sermon note sheet where I have it, okay, you have over and over and over again that the whole idea of this is that in its very purpose, these gifts are then given a hierarchical thing based upon how they minister to the assembly. God wants us to love one another, not love ourselves. So how can we do that? Through the gift of prophecy. Now, if you remember, we talked about prophecy, okay, is the foretelling or foretelling of God's word, okay? God puts a message on you and you proclaim his message, okay? Now, sometimes that message is, is what we consider prophecy, foretelling, but many times, even the prophets, it wasn't foretelling like something was going to happen. It was actually foretelling God's judgment upon them, okay? And, and, his, and his, a message that he wanted his people to hear. Sometimes it was a message of peace and a message of encouragement, okay? Like we talk about in Nahum, you know, for the, for the Judah, letting them know, hey, go ahead and have your feast because deliverance is coming, okay? That wasn't just foretelling. That was just enc- encouraging them as well, okay? And so as we come through this, okay, um, drop down to verse 15, says, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the informed say, Amen, you're giving a thanks? Says he does not understand what you say. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not what? Edified. Okay? Do you see a repeated word happening here? Okay? And so he goes on, he says, I thank my God I speak with tongues or more tongues than you all. Yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I might teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. That's our word for perfect, be mature. In the law it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, this is from the book of Isaiah, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me, says the Lord, says Yahweh. Therefore tongues are for a what? Sign. Not to those who believe, but to who? Unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Okay? And so you can continue reading. The whole, what's the whole point? So the purpose of the gifts reveals, again, we spend more time on if we're worried about gifts in and of itself, okay? But the purpose here is the edification of the, cha- the, the saints, okay? In, because of love for one another. We want to see each other built up into that common purpose, and that is edified into the image of Christ. It is then revealed in the practice of the saints. And I want to spend a little bit of time here, and so um, we'll, we'll try to fly through it because of time. But the practice of the saints in verses 26 to 40. Look at what happens, okay? I'm going to read it, but I want you to pay attention to this because this is really important how this plays out. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, has a what? Expression of your gift, okay? All right? Um, Let all things be done for what? Edification. There we go. If anyone speaks in the tongue, let there be two or at most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. One interpret, which means that one person should be able to interpret what? All three of them. Okay, and I'm not going to get into what tongues are and that kind of stuff, but there's at least one person who's going to be what? Interpreting, okay? And so, 
but if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. Look, this is interactive teaching. That's why I believe in interactive teaching. If God gives you something while I'm teaching, I don't want you to hold back. If there's a question, I didn't cover something, and, and, and God's kind of prompting you to ask me a question, put up your hand. Stop me, okay? This isn't a lecture. This isn't an oration, okay? This is a t- I'm a teacher, not a preacher, okay? And so, that's, and this is where I get it from, okay? I need to be able to stop. If God has something, now, if, if I feel like I need to make, finish the point, I'll finish my point, and then I'm going to sit down, and you can ask your question, or you can, you can state what you need to state. Does that make sense? However, we're going to do everything what? Decently and in order, okay? If someone can, it, it becomes the person who wants to continually have the limelight shown to themselves in the midst of while somebody else is speaking, then all of a sudden we have to put that in, into play. Does that make sense? Okay? Because that happens, doesn't it? Okay? All of a sudden you pass, start passing the mic and people want to what? They want to hog the mic. Okay? They want to be the teacher. Okay? And so, but if God hasn't raised them up as the teacher, then they're not the teacher. Anyways, so, but those are things that we have dynamics we have to deal with. It's just a fact. I mean, in the, in the body, in the family, you have to deal with dynamics, don't you? Okay? But he says, let two or three then prophesy, and if, some, if, if something's revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. What's the purpose of me supposed to be teaching? To encourage the body. So you guys can learn to encourage the body. What's the purpose of testimony time? Encourage the body. I appreciate you guys when you share from, from what God's sharing with you from the word. That's what it's about. That's when you are functioning as a prophet at that moment, and you're sharing what God has been teaching you from his word. And you're sharing that with other people in the assembly. That's what this is all about. That's why we do testimony time. Okay? Now, it's okay. Prayer requests and that kind of stuff. I get it. Okay? But primarily, it's for this purpose. It's for... God is working in this assembly and for us to be able to stand up and share what God is teaching us in the assembly, okay? I appreciate it, Brian, your heart this morning, okay? When you stood up and you were sharing all that, God clearly put something in your heart and you were putting through the, the verses together. That was really cool. Does that make sense? That's what it's about. I'm not saying everybody else, including mine, were bad, but it's what God is working in us. Does that make sense? Okay? So, um, let your woman keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted, verse 34. Okay? Oh, I, I, I'll get myself down there. For you can all prophesy. Oh, verse 32. In the spirit of the prophets, of subject of the prophets, for God is not the author of what? Confusion, but of what? Peace, unity. And let your woman keep silent in the churches, right? For they're not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive to the law also. And they want to learn something, let them ask their husbands at home. It's a shame for a woman to speak in the church. Again, that's another rabbit trail. Okay, but the idea there, I can go to First Timothy chapter 2, and the purpose of that is, is testing authority, okay? It's not, a, a woman's not supposed to teach you to usurp authority over man, okay? And so that doesn't necessarily mean, because you go First Corinthians 11, and she's allowed to give a testimony, okay? And so that doesn't mean that she's not allowed to open up her mouth, period, and give a testimony, but she's not supposed to be challenging authority, okay? So if there's a, a question of something that's said, the woman's supposed to do what? Ask her husband, okay? And, and, and her husband's supposed to be able to be the one who comes and asks the question, because if he says, oh, I never thought about that, then he can come and he can challenge the authority on that one, okay? There's a respect for authority as it goes. But the point of this whole thing is that God's got a what? He's got an administrative purpose in the assembly, a way that we function, and we use our gifts. And what's the purpose of using our gifts? To edify each other. I hope you got that. I hope there's nothing else you walk away with. Okay, I get it. We're supposed to edify one another. We're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to, yeah, God's given me a gift for the good of everyone. So in the end, the question is, how would you describe your role in the local church? What's your role? If all that's true, if God has given you a gift and he's placed you in this assembly, if, 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 right? But I believe it's true. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I know you have a gift. And if you've been here for quite a while, I know God has led you here. Okay, so the question is, what's your role? What are you doing? How are you serving Christ in his assembly, his body, in this little local church? How are you serving the others in the assembly? Are you self-focused or other-focused? Now, I know, clearly right off the bat, we're going to all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, so we're all what? Self-focused, okay? So get rid of that one for a moment. But where are you trending? Where is your heart? 
Do you want, what do you want? Do you get it? So you got to know inwardly inside you where you're really at. And you need to be honest. Okay? If I'm really starting to focus on myself and overly worried about me, then I got to be honest. And I got to say, God, I'm sorry. Help me out. I am really, I'm becoming more Bob focused than God focused. Okay? Do you care more about how something affects you or others? That's generally how it plays out, doesn't it? Something happens, and I care more about how it affected me than how it affected everybody else. I get it. Look, and again, I'm not lifting myself up, but I get it as a pastor, okay? There are times when I can get pretty frustrated. Did you ever hear about the guy who didn't want to go to church one Sunday morning? He just woke up and he just didn't want to go. And his wife said, we need to go. He says, no, I don't want to go. Why, why, why do you want to go? She says, nobody likes me. And she says, oh, come on. It's not that bad. Think on the things that are true. He says, oh, I know it's true. It's just people don't like me. And she says, but we, we, we just need to go. He says, tell me one good reason we need to go. She says, you're the pastor. <laughs> there are some days. There are some days. Just be straight. Okay? That's how you feel. And I'm no different than anybody else. And I need to change the way I think. I need to think on the things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely. Things that are a good report. Things that are virtuous. Things that are praiseworthy. And I need to think about the things of Christ. Not the things of Bob. And whenever I struggle, God always encourages me to start singing or put on and start singing worship music. Because then I start focusing on him. And I realize the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glorious grace. It's not just a song, it's true. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for putting us together as an assembly, as a body. It's your body, not ours. Um, And thank you for giving us a gift, Lord, for endowing us with abilities and talents that you want us to use for the glory of your name and for the benefit of those within this assembly. And even beyond this assembly, Lord, how you're using this assembly to minister to the greater assembly. I thank you for the work that Adisa is being able to do down at uh, Care Pregnancy Center, Lord. I just rejoice in you for that as an extension of this assembly, Lord. We pray that you would cause us to continue to grow in your grace and knowledge, Lord, not just individually, but as an assembly, that we would be one as you the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are one, that the world might know. Oh, Father, allow us the privilege of seeing many come to know you and be drawn into your kingdom for your glory. In Christ's name, amen.